Welcome to the Bungo Pony Podcast with Brian Watson and Jim Griffin. We've made it to another one. Unbelievable. And uh, they said it would never happen. Well, nobody said it would ever happen. Or never happen. <laughs> no, nobody said nobody, anything nobody at all. Nobody said nothing. <laughs> they said, don't tell them your name, Pike. <laughs> well, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> yes. Welcome, 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 one and all, ladies, fish, gentlemen, however you identify in the Piskeen uh, area, you may identify as a porpoise. Who are we to question your choices? But yes, it's the Bungo Pony podcast with me, Brian Watson. And me, the porpoise. I mean, sorry, Jim Griffin. <laughs> the prince and the porpoise. <laughs> that was a terrible show. <laughs> It was. They'd probably make it now as a buddy cop movie, wouldn't they? <laughs> they would, a buddy, a buddy rom-com, yeah. Steve Prince, New York detective. <laughs> Meet Jeff. Um, so I'm only guessing that's the sound a porpoise makes. I, I, it, I, no, you, you, I, I could see it. It was like Flipper yeah, had, had come yeah, home. Yeah. A painting with sounds here. <laughs> Very good. So, yes, I'm just, um, we, what we're doing this month, we're doing um, uh, Spectres and Mirrors, aren't we, mate? Now, there was, yeah, so, yeah, we've done a few of these mashups, and, um, you know, I, I think they've, they're really interesting. They certainly get me listening to the records. And then you suggested this mashup, and I went, Brian's lost it. I mean, I knew he was teetering on the edge for a while anyway, but now he's gone full over the edge. He suggested mashing these two albums because, oddly enough, they are side by side in the recorded album canon. I would never think of mashing them together because to me, they seem like they're from different eras of the band. But as always, Brian, when you mash them together with your suggestion and your, 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 your pixie dust on the playlist, they go together extremely well. And I think there's a revelation in, in that. So you tell the folks what the two albums are because I'd never have thought of it. It's it's great to listen to them again, as we've said on a number of occasions, listening back on the kind of hi-fi equipment you can afford when you're 57 versus the kind of hi-fi equipment you have when you're 17. Using the term hi-fi loosely. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Re- reveals yeah. reveals things that you you never you never thought you've you've heard. So if you've got a decent um, CD player and amp and speakers and uh, record player. And you haven't listened to uh, either Spectres uh, or Mirrors from 77 and 79, respectively. Do yourself a favour, dig your vinyls out, dig your CDs out. If they're the extended versions, we haven't touched on any of the bonus tracks. But we've mashed up Spectres and Mirrors to form Spirrors. And there's an O over the umlaut. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Uh, these go, these go. I have to commend you again, Brian. Um, I always, you always, I'm sure lots of fans are the same. You think of Agents, Fortune, and Spectres as kind of a pair after the three black and white albums. And then, of course, you've some chanted evening. And then you tend to think of Mirrors kind of as an outlier. It's got its own issues, maybe. And then Cult of Source. So bridging that kind of live album divide between mirrors and spectres. I think it was really interesting concept because for me, we'll discuss it as we go through the tracks we've chosen. 
it highlighted something that I wasn't expecting, which is that the production difference. You always think of mirrors as this slightly West Coast produced, you know, maybe a little lightweight in the BOC canon. But when you hear these tracks next to Spectre's era tracks, I, I wasn't hearing the massive production differences that I was giving out about 20, 30 years ago. Uh, you see, I have a cunning plan for what to do with Agents of Fortune. Uh, and I, I, I'm pro- going to propose a mashup with some Enchanted Evening, whereby you take the Agents tracks and you put into the playlist the some enchanted evening versions and obviously um dis- discount the, the the tracks that uh, that we don't like yeah. although, although there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that blow the cult have ever done uh, ever um, that uh, that I don't like except searching for Celine and hungry boys and <laughs> <laughs> yeah except for the except for the exceptions well that's an interesting idea for agents and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to wrangling with you over that one um but yeah, I was amazed. And you know what? And before we get into the tracks, you know, listening back to Spectres, which is absolutely one of my favorite BOC albums. So I, I, I do listen to it regularly. But you know what? Listening deeply, as you do when you're prepping for the pods and, and, and kind of just trying to find things in songs that maybe people have forgotten about. I have to say it's the one BOC album, I think, that benefited the most from the remastering um the process of, 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 say, a couple of years back from Sony. And, and they finished the remastering process with, with some enchanted evening, unfortunately. But I think Spectres came out the best. There was more there, clearly, on the tape <laughs> to come out. Um, and it's a beautiful-sounding album now, uh, particularly, as you say, if you're a middle-aged man with decent hi-fi gear. <laughs> um, listen, I listened to it on headphones last night because I couldn't wake up the kids going through the play- playlist and um, it's beautiful, it's lush um, it, the balance between all the instruments the first track on the playlist is a great example of this, it's just supreme um, and it's really a gem to listen to on headphones uh, I never appreciated how well, I always thought it sounded a little muddy on vinyl, actually on the original vinyl um, so this is, this is an argument for CD although I hate to say it, I'm a dedicated vinyl head but this is a great, uh, this is a great argument for listening to this album on CD. I've seen it variously described as warm, um, sultry. Mm. I saw, I think that sultry. was, I think that was in Jacob Home Lupo's book. Um, mm. Sweaty even described it, and it's got that nighttime vibe, hasn't it? Uh, that brown, it's warm got that vibe. All my notes for all the Spectres tracks on our playlist are kind of the same. It's kind of the production, the instrumentation, the arrangements all have the same vibe it's such a consistent album in vibe challenged i would say only by maybe imaginos or secret treaties in terms of its consistency um and i think it's right up there with the two and i I, what i would say brian about specters in particular is that it felt to me like specters almost could have been bigger than it was in terms of there's a lot of tracks on specters that get faded out are you ready to rock? Searching for Celine. Um, I love the night. Had a whole verse chopped out of it. Um, and I just feel maybe that was the moment BOC maybe might have embraced their slightly proggier metal side and done a, a double uh, studio album. Uh, I think that could have been a moment because the Imaginos material was floating around at the time. 
it just has that vibe. It's a beautiful album. And there was just a little more in the tank on this one, I think. Yes. You know, before we started recording, I mentioned that we were going to do Bry Facts, one for each album, things that I'd discovered uh, on, um, on, well, basically Wikipedia that I thought were interesting and fun facts, and I will um, do uh, do those um, at the sound of a klaxon. Where, where, when <laughs> we have a klaxon? No, well, it's a, well, it's a bell. It's a but I'll, I'll okay. All right, I I'll, got excited there. I'll alter it in post to sound like a klaxon. But wow, uh, wow, but, wow. but do you want me to fact you over spectres? Do you want some facts? Do you want facting hard? Fact me, Brian. Fact me hard. Spectres, November 1977. Um, it was the height of, um, well, disco, wasn't it? Disco was taking over the world. Um, Fleetwood Mac were the, um, for what's the opposite of terrible? They weren't terrible. The Enfants. Enfants, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Enfants. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, Rumours was the biggest selling album of, um, of, of ever after Dark Side of the Moon. And there's a quote from Sandy Perlman in the new Musical Express. And he said that the album was a deliberate attempt uh, to do a Fleetwood Mac, basically, and uh, sell three million units. Unlucky, well, Sandy. Unlucky. God, he was always trying that. <laughs> but yes, uh, record, <laughs> uh, it's an all-New uh, York record plant um, affair. Sandy Perlman, Murray Krugman. David Lucas and the band, so maybe too many producers, perhaps, I don't know. That's something to have a bit of a debate about in the forums and whatnot. It went gold, so all these people who say, oh, it's not as good as all the other ones, then the record-buying public disagreed. Um, oh, yeah, it, this it, was a very successful album. Yeah. It had a different title as well. Have you seen that? What it was originally going to be called? Oh God, no! You're 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 jogging my memory, but you have me. I can't remember what what were they going to call it. I'm going to fact you now, um, and fact this is me. from the this is from the FAQs, the the Schwartz yeah. FAQs, John Schwartz's FAQ, yeah. Yes, the Big Hurt. It was going to be called. Oh, I'm glad they didn't call it that. <clears throat> I know, I know, it's it's not ideal, and the album no. cover uh, was inspired apparently. Um, by the work of a, an American photographer called Jacob Reese. So there you go. Okay. I like the cover. I really do like the cover of Spectres. I do not like the cover of Mirrors. I know, and you told me this, that's a photorealistic painting, but it's just a photorealistic painting of a wing mirror. Um, do I really, I remember looking at the cover of Spectres while I was listening to it as a kid. It's just, it's a detail in there. They're looking really odd. You've got the lasers, of course, which highlights their live stuff love it love the cover of spectres just and it fits the image that kind of nighttime dark you know mysterious image fabulous classic boc indeed do you want to know um, how it did uh, in the charts i would love to know how it did in the charts brian did well america 43 i think um here uk 60 mm. um, it charted in canada france and sweden as well that was back in the day where, you know, lots of people were buying records. So, you know, a 43 position then is, is you know, probably a, a second two position nowadays in terms of actual units sold, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I say, it went gold. It was certified gold. So hundreds of thousands of people bought it. 
Yeah, well, it had, I mean, look, are you surprised? It has some stonking tunes. It had, a, you know, a, a, one of their big three uh, songs on there. And um, all around, you know, quality album. I think if I was p- pushed to the pin of me collar, as they say over here in Ireland, I might have to say I preferred Spectres to Agents of Boy from that kind of era. But um, I wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't hear much... Um... Uh, disagreement from me uh, to be fair Um, it's just as an album as a listening experience start to finish it's a wonderfully consistent uh, interesting it's almost verging on a concept album I always had that feeling with Spectres uh, that it was and that's why I always think maybe that was the time that POC could have stretched their wings and made that kind of double concept album that they were always threatening to make but never did quite make got three singles out of it do you know the singles? Well, it was definitely Godzilla and Going Through the Motions. Uh, was Celestial the Queen a single? It was I Love the Night, but you've just said a thing there that's going to create the situation for the first Bry fact of the pod. <gasps> oh, it's a Bry fact. I haven't, no, a jing- we, I, I haven't got a jingle done we yet. We didn't shell out for... <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't got a, I haven't got a jingle done yet. We haven't shelled out for a jingle, folks. So that was, um, I think that I, was Brian tapping his teacup there. And I think I've pulled. I think I've pulled something. Um, <laughs> oh man, uh, we're not going to hear the fact now. Come on, going through the motions. You see, you mentioned which isn't in our um, playlist, but it was the yeah. only song on Spectres that was written or actually co-written by Eric. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. When we get to to mirrors, there'll be talk of how Eric was mm-hmm. sidelined by the producer, Mr. Verman. Um, but I do wonder um, whether Eric was feeling it back then as well um, because of the song's title, Going Through the Motions. He co-wrote it with Ian Hunter, mm-hmm. who, some of you, who some of you yeah. may know um, from uh, Mott the Hoople. Yeah. And Brian's fact, or Bry's fact, for this pod is that Mott the Hoople's lead singer, Ian Hunter, was given the key to the city of Cleveland in Ohio, which I know very well, um, by the mayor in June 1979. Oh. I'm stunned. I know. There was a song he did called Cleveland Rocked, which has become like a de facto facto anthem. And it's from his um, uh, album... You're never alone with a schizophrenic, <laughs> which <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't get away with nowadays. You wouldn't get away with that title today. Yeah, it's got yeah, shades of <laughs> well, you should have seen the cover they wanted to do. Oh, it, it wasn't a glove, believe me. Um, oh, <laughs> but yes, that's the first bry fact of this pod, and I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, there's a big aeroplane flying overhead. Mm. It's the apocalypse. I knew it. I knew it. This pod would eventually bring on the apocalypse. So that was Spectres. Shall we um, have a very quick chat about mirrors and then... Um, Let's t- talk about mirrors. Tell the nice ladies and gentlemen um, what we've put in the playlist. Let's do that. What do you want to say about mirrors, I'm, Brian? I'm, I'm going to do a jingle because it will give me oh, time oh. to change my notebooks over. 
<laughs> you have a whole mirrors notebook. And, uh, well, I have a I have a notebook. I bought it in Skagness the other day. I've like half a page of scribbled lines here about mirrors, but you've got a notebook. Come on, do and, the uh, jingle. I'm looking forward to this. I'm preparing myself here. Good your lines. You're listening to the Blue Oyster Cult Fan Pod, the Bungo Pony Podcast. Yes. It looks like the same notebook, folks. He's been lying to you. It's the same notebook. He just turned a page. It cost What's me this crap it, about two notebooks, Brian. Cost, what are you trying to pull, man? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I take it back. He does have a second notebook it cost me under a, the table. It, it cost what me a does pound. It, say? it cost me a pound. Um, so <laughs> yeah. we, we've um, imagine you're you're casting yourself forward two years mm. um, in time, and we're up to um, June. 1979. Yeah. And um, an album that uh, divides, is it fair to say, it, you know the forums and fan groups more than I do, Jim. Yeah, is it fair I've to been say on the forums a long time, back back even when there was just a, the, the old listserv BOC, so back in the text, the internet text days. And uh, this album always brings up, do you know what? I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who dislike the album. Because there's genuinely good tracks on this album. I just feel for a lot of fans, it's the What Might Have Been album after, you know, they were on a high after some enchanted evening. It had sold really well. They were, you know, gods of the Stadia uh, shows in America with their laser show. And people were ready for a massive BOC album. And somehow they went a different way. And, um, yeah, 79, the, the year it was changing. I can see what they were trying to do. Um, so I don't think it, it's love-hate kind of divide, but it's a divide of, I like it, but uh, it, could have been, it could have been the moment for BOC, I think, perhaps. That's kind of the vibe I get and how people view mirrors, Brian. I, I could be completely it. wrong. I, 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 like I truly too, yeah. and utterly love it. Um, but again, <laughs> um, in part due to the fact that I'm listening now on decent quality equipment with decent headphones yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I think at the top of the pod, I mentioned how when you put it side in my head, mirrors doesn't sound great. And Spectre sounds amazing. And I think people should listen to this playlist because I think a lot of BLC fans sit where I sit. And then you listen to these tracks side by side and they're, they're you know, they're the full audio quality versions and you go, Actually, there's the hair between them, really. They're actually both great sounding albums. And it was just maybe expectations of what a BOC album would be following some enchanted evening. Um, perhaps hit them a bit. Do you know, I like this album too, Brian. I don't like it necessarily as a BOC album, but there's a couple of albums I always put on. You said there was released in June, and that doesn't surprise me. There's a couple of albums I always send. It's, the weather is good over in Ireland at the moment. And a couple of albums I always put in the car uh, when I'm driving in good weather from doing a long drive. And uh, they're just kind of that kind of turning into summer albums that just make you feel good listening to them if you're driving. One is um, Moving Pictures by Rush. And the other one is Always Mirrors by BOC. They just evoke a kind of get in your car, drive around vibe. And, And I think that's what they were going for. So it achieves it. It just unfortunately wasn't as successful as, as they needed at the time. 
Yes, um, produced by Tom Wehrman. I found some facts out. Not bry facts, but I found some facts out. Just just regular facts. Just regular run-of-the-mill okay. common or so garden not, facts. Do you want no to need kn- to be tapping the, the, the cup of tea for this one. This is just a regular fact. I know. He was a, he was a, a former advertising executive, apparently, which oh. I didn't know. Um, but he became the A&R, which is Artists and Repertoire, isn't it? A&R Man at Epic Records. Um, do you know who he discovered? Oh, God, I, I dread to think. Did he discover the cars by any chance? <laughs> no, but there is a... Okay. I, I do have another fact, not a bry fact, but um, that, that <laughs> comes into the chat a bit like uh, Cheap trick okay. he discovered. Oh, well, well, fair, 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 fair play to Ario Speedwagon, named after a fire engine. It's a free fact for you. That's a, that's okay. That's from yeah, me. That's, that yeah, and a, uh, for the Ario Speedwagon pod, good, good. And um, and uh, well-known um, advocate of shooting things, Ted Nugent. Wow, he's responsible for Ted Nugent. How In fairness, it? I mean, as an A and R man, that's not a bad hit rate. You it's, know, they're it's very, very good, successful artists. Do you want yeah. to know the artists? He brought to Epic, but which Epic passed on. Now, this is interesting. No, I don't know that. That does sound interesting. He brought Kiss to the label, and they passed on Kiss. They passed on Kiss. Wow. Uh, He brought Leonard Skinner to the label, and they passed on Leonard Skinner. And and he brought Rush to the label as well. Wow. So Epic passed on Rush, Leonard Skinner. Oh my God! Yeah, um, Kiss, Skinner, yeah. and Rush. And epic kiss. passed on. Wow. So the, the wow. guy, well, he was a good A and R man. So fair, fair. The play. guy knows his onions. He uh, when he retired from the music industry, he, he started running a B and B apparently. But um, <laughs> but yeah, other bands he produced: Molly Atchett, uh, Motley mm-hmm. Crue, Twisted Sister, um, Poison. Yeah, it's really weird. I, I was looking at some of that stuff about Tom Vorman and, and, and yeah, I saw in later years he was producing all those Twisted Sister or Motley Crue bands. And like, whether you like them or not, right? And there's, I leave that up to yourself, but their albums do sound great. Like, they're really good. Now, I know technology had moved on at that point, but I kind of wish he'd given the Girls, Girls, Girls sound to BOC in 79 that he kept hitting away until he he, he, he produced Motley Crue, you know? Some of those albums sound really good. Can you imagine what that album would have sounded like if Martin Birch produced it? Ah, uh, you see, that's, and I think that is the absolute um, what-if story of, of BOC's entire life, isn't it? Is if Martin Birch had been brought on one album earlier, I think think mirrors because and you and i have said this before but it bears repeating the material from mirrors when you find it live on maybe some of the collected columbia stuff or just find it on youtube um it really has balls live you know tracks like mirrors great sun gesture which a little bit lacking in edge on the album they're fantastic live tracks and it really annoys me that they never got that that live outing that they deserved um, so I think with a heavier production, but in fairness to Vermin, I have a feeling that BOC and, and maybe their management more than themselves wanted a lighter touch to the engineering of the album, to the, to the overall sound of the album. I think they were going 
for something on this. Um, so maybe Tom isn't entirely to blame, you know, because he has he's well able to produce a heavy album. Yeah, well, Eric wasn't um, best impressed because he kind of got sidelined uh, yeah. vocally, didn't he? He did, Vermin, I think is on record as saying he just didn't like Eric's voice, which um, that that's a bad sign because whether or not you like Eric Bloom's voice as a producer, surely you understand that he's the linchpin of what makes BOC BOC. And, you know, the lack of Eric on this album I mean, the, the songs he sings on are probably some of the best songs in the album, but the lack of his overall emphasis shows because it's a light, lightweight BOC album. And it just shows you that Eric Bloom, who's bringing the menace, bringing the, the, the shadow, um, and that's missing on some of these. And uh, it's, it's the worst for it, definitely. It, it, it is, and, and it goes a, a large way to explaining and, and understanding why it's uh, reviled. Um, but then again, I like it, um, but I love Eric Bloom. So yeah, I'm, I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle, as you, as, as you know. Wrapped in, wrapped in a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wrapped in some old fish and chip papers. <laughs> wrapped in yesterday's news. Anyway, yes, anyway. So this, yes. You're listening to the Bungo. You're listening to the Bungo. What are we talking about? You're listening to the Bungo Pony podcast. Not Bingo. Bingo. No, not that. Um, the Bungo Pony uh, podcast. And we have um, a playlist available on that there at Spotify, which we shall uh, share a link to. Um, you can buy us a coffee if you want. If you go to the co-fi link, which will be in the show notes as well. Because we do like our lattes, don't we, Jim? I love a latte. I do love a latte. I do. I have moved on, actually. I'm more a cappuccino chap now. Oh, cappuccino. Do you get the chocolate sprinkled on the top? Get a little bit of chocolate, yes. Yeah, a little bit of chocolate. Yeah, like, and like and like some of the chocolate. places, they put little hearts on. Um, oh, yeah, they do nice. But sometimes they have the kind of, you know, the, a stencil. And they yes. can stencil like a coffee bean. That's, that's beautiful. It's very clever. It's very clever. Uh, and we're on uh, we're on Twitter and we're on we've got a Facebook group thing, so um, we've had some wonderful, lovely people. Will in particular, massive shout out to Will. Thank you, sir. Um, hey, Will interacting with us and and just digging the pod, which is is it's it's touching and humbling. It is. It's great to hear people's views, you know, because we're just two middle aged guys talking bollocks, really. So you know. We're not purporting to have, you know, the down low on BOC, but um, it's lovely to hear other people's views. And I love digging up kind of tunes and, 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 and stuff, parts of tunes that people, you know, they think they remember all these tunes, but they don't. And when you go back and listen to them, it's lovely. It's great to hear from people and what their kind of favorite parts are. So keep them coming. Uh, it's nice for 57-year-old Bry to do this because 17-year-old Bry um, knew what he liked and liked what he knew. and. I can guarantee that he didn't like searching for Celine to the point where he knew exactly where to lift the needle up um, and where to put it back down again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he still doesn't like it that much because it didn't make our list, but anyway. He didn't. Sorry, Alan, and all that, but... Um, it, well, some Alan tunes did make this list, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, so we're going to kick things off with... Um, I. Th- venture to suggest 
at Blue Oyster Cult channeling their inner queen. What do you think, Jim? Uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, I made a note when I look, I mean, the track is Golden Age of Leather. Raise your can of beer beer on high. high. (laughs) (laughs) Natural. That's beautiful. Um, um, Great opener for the playlist, by the way. I always thought, I know kind of Godzilla had to open Spectres, but in a way, I think Godzilla is is kind of the only saga on Spectres that almost doesn't belong there. It doesn't mean it's a great track or not a great track, but I think Golden Age would have been the perfect opener. Love it here. I quite agree. It's got a Queen vibe. And, and this is what I mean about Spectres. I don't think BOC had recorded anything like the Golden Age of Leather in their repertoire up to now. I think that the biker theme is nice to have in there. That's a nod lyrically. But the sound of this album, the, or that track, um, the multi-part, as you say, the harmonies, Brian, the fact that it's got it's a track in three parts. Um, they hadn't really been doing that up to now. Um, and so they're really stretching their wings. And, 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 you know, that leads to tracks on Mirrors, Cultosaurus, like Monsters or Vengeance the Pack. Um, and I think they all go back to Golden Age of Leather. And it sounds fantastic. And it's got the Newark Boys Choir on it. So what's not to Nearly six minutes long. Love it. Love it. Uh, written by Book and uh, Bruce Abbott, who I know nothing about. So apologies, yeah. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce Abbott wrote that with, with Book. And um, yes, really strong. I think Bruce wrote some of the lyrics, I think. Um, musically, this is Buck Dharma really stretching his muscles. Some of the guitar licks here, just the, the, the linking licks that link one bit to another, really, really fancy stuff. Um, great arrangement instrumentation on this. The drums sound so good on this album. I love Albert's drum sound on Spectres. Fantastic. Yes. Um, it's operatic. It's cinematic. It's... Um, Automatic. I, know, I was going to say, I was, <laughs> was channeling me in a Travolta there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I agree with all that. It is operatic. That's a great way of describing it, Brian. That's off again. It is operatic in nature, which is what BOC always were at their at their best, you know. Indeed, uh, track two is one that came in at the last minute, and you suggested a a swap out because we didn't want to duplicate tracks that we've put in other pods, and I can fully understand it. But yeah, were, I, yeah. were it up to me, this wouldn't be here. Yeah, I liked it. I have always liked this track. So this is a track from Mirrors called Lonely Teardrops, an Alan Lanier track. So I, I, always, I think all BOC fans have a real soft spot for all of Alan's tunes, you know, because uh, he sadly departed and much missed. Um, but I always like this track. It's got that clavinet uh, at the start that, that, that is almost note for note from Trampled Underfoot by, by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> But I love where it goes, I, and I love the. I actually really like the female vocals on this track, and like all Alan tracks, the lyrics are just a little on the weird side. On the, on the kind of you think it's a love song, it's kind of maybe not. Um, I I remember this quite well because it was a B side. We had a clear vinyl single uh, at home of Mirrors, um, when such things were hard to come by over in Limerick, Ireland, and uh, Lonely Teardrops was on the B side. And I, Really, really used to enjoy that track. I, you see, I never did, but um, 
quick, <laughs> quick, quick fun. Okay. <laughs> quick fun fact, not a bri fact. Um, okay. Chart-wise, this charted about the same uh, as it did in America. This uh, album, forty-three mm. for Spectres, forty-four for Mirrors. So all those naysayers, well, you were buying it in about the same quantities. Um, charted higher in the UK than Spectres did. I know, go figure. Yeah, but I mean, they were on a high here. Some Enchanted Evening was a huge success for them in between. So, yeah, I, they were a very successful band back in these days and, and, and remained successful. But, yeah, they, I, look, Mirrors was an uneven album in terms of the material didn't hang, like Spectre's material hangs together really well. It's almost conceptual. Mirrors was a collection of songs. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and you've got two standalone Allen tracks on it. I like Lonely Teardrops. I think people haven't listened to it for a while. It's not classic BOC, but it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a quality track with some nice lyrics. It's a top pop song. The channel in there, Inner Fleetwood Mac, Wendy Webb on background vocals. And that's all we'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, we'll agree to differ on Lonely Teardrops. Absolutely. Um, track, I'm conscious of the fact that you've got a meeting because you're a high-powered executive. Oh, high-powered exec. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I've got to feed the cats that have to. <laughs> with, a, with a headset. Um, I Love the Night from Spectres uh, uh, is, is next. I think this was on my original um, list, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so, or maybe we swapped it out because, again, we didn't want to be repeating ourselves. But look, I mean, it deserves to be on, on any Oh, no, yes, it was, it was a swap out, wasn't it? Yes. It was, but I think that was more just our own oversight. I mean, I Love the Night is, is, is a classic BOC track, um, dripping with reverb. You know, I listened to it again in headphones recently, and, or last night indeed. Got reverb on the drums. You've got the drums echoing away. You've got this beautiful guitar tone. One of Buck Dharma's nicest guitar tones, layers of guitar on this, which Buck doesn't often do. In fairness, he he, he kind of tends to keep uh, keep it to something he can recreate easily live. But there's layered guitars here. Again, your word, Brian. I think this is operatic, operatic even uh, in nature. Um, beautiful tune. It's great to see it. They've been uh, pulling it out live again, and um, beautiful song live. Really, really good. Get locked up for that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. As my dad used to say, they can't touch you for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um Yeah. Let me see if I've got any facts for um for it. Um no, I haven't. Book wrote it. Just, I've got that. Book wrote it. It's a great tune. It it it's a natural kind of uh, follow on to Don't Fear the Reaper. So always surprised it wasn't pushed by the label as a as a kind of a single more strongly. Uh, but then there were a lot of good tunes on, on Spectres and I'd say they were they were a bit confused where to go with the band with, with singles. Um it's a fan favorite track, no doubt about it. Next one up is a long one, six and a half minutes. We're into progressive rock territory here. Whether it should have been six and a half minutes is is another is another matter. Um, but it's from uh, it's from Mirrors, isn't it? And um, Book and uh, yeah. Mrs. Book wrote it. Sandy, that's right. Sandy and Book wrote this. Uh, I think uh, if I remember uh, from the time of the Book Dharma archives, track is the vigil, obviously. And um, I think from the time of the um, the Book Dharma archives. 
there was a version of this um, with different lyrics, I think Devil's Hangnail or something of that nature. And I think the story was basically that Sandy hated the lyrics Buck had written and suggested that they rewrite the lyrics. And I'm very glad she did. I really like the lyrics on this album, I think, on this track. I think the original lyrics were Patti Smith ones. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. They didn't suit the music, you know. I mean, maybe they're, you know, I'm sure they're good lyrics on their own, but they didn't quite fit the fit the vibe. Nice and expensive. People always talk about the Vigil as, you know, if they don't like Mirrors, you hear a lot of people say it's the only good track on Mirrors, um, which I, I disagree with um, in that I think there are better tracks on Mirrors myself. And um, I agree with you. I've always wanted to like the Vigil a little bit more than I actually do. Um, I love the fast guitar picking section in the middle. That really, really uh, that gets me going. But it's kind of slow start. You got the kind of slidey guitar stuff. It just doesn't feel that BOC to me. Yeah, John Schwartz is facts. Patty Smith wrote it. Um, Devil's nail or Devil's angnail. Devil's toenail yeah. would have been better. Maybe if she called it. <laughs> maybe she called it Devil's toenail. <laughs> This is what my feet look like in summer. <laughs> Get those sandals out, yeah. I don't, um, I don't do sandals. <laughs> I don't do sandals. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've heard them play the Vigil live a few times. That's always good, and people really like it. But I always kind of find myself going, I'd rather hear Mirrors live, actually, oddly enough. Uh, I think there's a little more, uh, you know, um, kind of value to that. Like the Vigil, was never its biggest fan, and I always kind of never understood it's why everybody has loved it quite so much. But um, there's great passages in it. I think it's a little too long. I, I would tend to agree with you, Brian. It is a bit hot. It is a bit hot. I think time for another jingle, Mike. What do you think? Definitely. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Oh, not that one. Uh- I haven't, that was okay. <laughs> it was it was all right, wasn't it? It wasn't the one I intended, though. It wasn't the one I intended. There we go. So you got surprised by Christopher. There Walker. we go. This is what got me the copyright strike on YouTube, but they allowed me to post it anyway. Griffin's leather shorts. This is the Bungo Pony Podcast for all the Blue Oyster Cult related needs, and then some. Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> I'd say it's the leather shorts that got you. Yes, we haven't, you we, haven't, we haven't mentioned your leather shorts. Um, <laughs> so yes, it, it, it that could quite that song could quite easily have been a minute and a half shorter. Um, I, I kind of feel it could have been it could have been tighter. I always felt it kind of took up a little too much space on side two. It overshadowed the other tracks on side two of Mirrors, and I disliked it for that because I liked the other tracks on side two of mirrors and we're into another mirrors track track five <coughs> finishes out uh, side a of our uh, hypothetical uh, spurs with an umlaut uh, lp uh, you're not the one i was looking for but you're the one for me this Al- is so catchy <laughs> it's a it's a great great tune written by albert bouchard yeah, this this gets overlooked because I think Albert at some point kind of because he's he's a modest uh, and and very decent chap. I think Albert kind of was like, oh, I wrote that as a pastiche of a Cars song, and everybody kind of that had somehow allowed all the BLC fans to kind of write it off almost as a tune, um, which I think is a shame because Albert Bouchard can write anything, and 
he decided to write a really strong West Coast pop song. And this is a catchy tune. I listened to this playlist last night, making a few notes. And the song I was humming by the end of it, Brian, you're not the one I was looking for. That's what I was humming. Uh, going around my head all, all feckin' night, actually. Um, I love this tune. This does not get enough love. It's such a well-written tune. Good, clever lyrics with a little twist. I think it's great. I, I, really, I really rate this track. Yeah, the the story I saw was it's um, uh, uh, an homage to um, my best friend's girl, isn't it? Yeah. By the cars. But it's better than that, to be fair. I, I think it's, look, it's probably the one track on the album, it and, and another track we have coming up in a, uh, in a little while, that Vermin's, um, Worman's production actually fit the track very, very well. Because... And I, I'd love to know, you know, at this point, was Albert, did Albert know he was coming on as producer and then Albert was writing songs to suit his production style? Or were these songs influencing the choice of producer? I, I'd love to get behind that uh, decision-making process because it strikes me that it's the pop tunes on this album that Vermin shines on as a producer. Um, so I'd love to know which came first, the chicken or the egg there. Or was Albert, because Albert, think can do that he can write a song to fit the circumstances um i have a suspicion maybe he wrote this song to fit their production circumstances at the time uh, could have been a hit single if it had been any other band this would have been a hit single for them but it just didn't fit the boc aesthetic i think yes i'm um, i'm i'm glad you um introduced it um so that we were we weren't duplicating at uh, tunes in the individual yeah. pods. We are going to struggle by the end of the um, pod cycle when we've done like 30, aren't we? Because we're just going to... We're just gonna have... Oh my God, are we doing 30? I didn't sign on well, for you know, 30. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> we, we're just going we're, we're just gonna to do a pod on Hungry Boys, aren't we? <laughs> Where you just give out about Hungry Boys and kick out the jams for 40 Well, I just go... Yeah, no! yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so... I do think, and every BOC fan has their kind of favourite clunkers. So I do think a pod of kind of great BOC clunker tracks um, is always worth thinking about doing. And that's a playlist I'd enjoy putting together, I have to say. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Beat them up, anybody? Yeah, that's, that's going on. <laughs> that's going on. That's the lead-off track. Yeah, that's yeah. Now we're going to kick out the jams is going on. <laughs> I can't agree. I uh, never I understand your hatred for kicking I know, out the jams. I know, I know. So that's side side A of our hypothetical LP closes out with um, with uh, you're not the one I was looking for. Um, side B opens up with one of the finest Blue Oyster Cult songs ever uh, committed to Shellac in this uh, person's humble opinion, i.e., me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's oh, it's just it's just <laughs> staggeringly good. It's magnificent. This track. Go on, tell the good people what this track. is. It, it's Death Valley Nights. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm speechless. Hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna have to do a jingle. You're listening to the Blue Oyster Cult Fan Pod. The Bungo Pony Podcast. Yeah, Albert and, uh, and Meltzer came up with a yeah. stone-cold stonker here. Uh, the classic combo, Albert Bouchard, Richard Meltzer, just 
Great lyrics, beautiful, beautifully, beautifully produced track. Buck Dharma's guitar licks all over this track. They're scorching hot. And as we've said so many times, the production, the playing evinces the nature of the track. So this is Death Valley Nights, the sun, the moon, the scorched earth. And that's what the guitar does. That's what the drums do. They all fit the nature of the track. It's perfect in every way. Um, and, and think of Spectres, man. I mean, it starts with Godzilla, Golden Age of Leather, and then Death Valley Nights. I mean, three tracks in, this could be the best album ever recorded. Um, but I'm with you. Death Valley Nights, can't get enough of it. Wished it had been more regular in their set. Never understood why it wasn't. Maybe they had difficulty kind of recreating it live. Great vocal. Great vocal from Albert. One of his best. 16, 17-year-old me um, had a, a male crisis. Um, the first time I heard this, I think, and it was on regular rotation in that uh, army knapsack I carried and the uh, boogie box on the C90. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I, I couldn't get enough of this track either because it's that little bit different. You know, it's not, you know, what you heard on Secret Treaties. It's not really what you heard on Agents of Fortune. Um, it's got a different vibe. Classic Meltzer lyric, just a little offbeat. Or, well, a whole lot offbeat, really. Um, and just uh, Albert's soaring vocals, then the guitar soars up with it. Um, and even sometimes when you hear Albert do just an acoustic version of this, it's a beautiful song. You know, it's, you can always tell the quality of a song when it's stripped back to acoustic and you don't actually even necessarily notice that the other bits are missing. So it's just a very well-written song. Another book, a guitar solo I can actually sing. Uh, one of his greatest moments is the guitar playing on Death Valley Nights. It just because it can be very hard, as you know, Brian, I play a bit of guitar. It can be very hard when somebody brings you a really nice song that's effectively acoustic. You know, the temptation as a guitar player is either to do nothing or to walk all over it. You know, <laughs> it's an incredibly skillful thing that Buck Dharma does with other people's songs, Al Bouchard in particular, and, and some Joe tunes as well is to lift them by playing tastefully in amongst the lyrics. Um, and that's and he never does long guitar solos in other people's songs. He does short, sharp guitar solos. It's just beautiful. It, this is a band working in unison here um, on, 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 on these albums. Um, they're a unit, and nobody's sucking focus from anybody else. Um, and that's hard to do when you have five songwriters in a band, you know? Yeah, it, it, I think... It- the original incarnation of the playlist had a song from each of the five uh, band members. Yeah. On, um, Sorry, I, from, I, I probably Maris, messed that up on you. From Sorry. Maris, it, it, it had a lovely symmetry and you just ruined it. Yeah, sorry, the last... but we would, we'd have been repeating ourselves. We would, we would. We, we could have just cut and pasted. I mean, we repeat ourselves quite a lot, so any more might, might just be we do. over the but edge. We're seven, but... we're, seven, we're seven tracks in and, um, and we've, got, we've got a bit more Eric coming up next um the finest the finest moment of mirrors i think um possibly um some may disagree but it is a good one whether it's the best one or not is open to discussion in the forums and whatnot um a, a moorcock um co-lyric with uh, eric uh, eric bloom the great son jester of course yeah 
this is uh, this is where BOC start to break a little new ground. This is the first time I think Eric starts to bring in the uh, the sci-fi stuff that's obviously dear to his heart, you know. Um, great kind of stroke bringing in Michael Moorcock to write some lyrics. Eric and John Trivers do the music. Super track. It's a bri oh. fact. Oh my God, here it comes. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I wrote so small on my notebook, I'm, I'm having difficult because I am 57. <laughs> put on the big glasses. But I put, be, be, before we started, I put asterisks by things. But yes, co, co-writer John Trivers was the bass player on Private Dancer by Tina Turner. That's a really good fact. That's an impressive, is that true? Or did you just make that up? No, that's from the Wikipedia. That's from John Trivers's page. Yeah. Um, oh. So you're not going to lie about something like that, are you? No. Well, he's played on two great tracks. So. Yes. Uh, so, yes, a, a, a three-hander, um, loosely based on uh, Moorcock's Fire Clown novel, also mm. known as, and more commonly, much more commonly known, um, as The Winds of Limbo, which uh, will uh, rattle a few cages as well. But the novel, yep. the novel that this was based on is The Winds of Limbo, Limbo, that's right. Yeah, God, you're bringing me back there now. It's been a while since I read any Moorcock, actually. He's kind of, <clears throat> he's for the younger me rather than the, the current old me. But um, 1965, he wrote that. <laughs> 1965, he wrote it. It doesn't go back that far, yeah. And, uh, See, they were already old. They were already old by the time I was reading them, yeah. Uh, great Sun Jester should have been the opening track on Mirrors. Yeah, I would agree with you. Dr. Music probably needed to be put somewhere else. Did anguish, I did anguish about opening up this set with it, but... Um, I Yeah, I think you made the right choice with Golden Age, but, it you know, in any other dogfight, Great Sun Jester would be there. Superb vocal from Bloom. I mean, Bloom... I mean, for an album where he's sidelined as vocalist, this is by far the best vocal performance on the album. Do you not um, think... By far. Do you not think he went for it so much just to raise two fingers or, for our American I, listeners, a middle finger... To Werman, just to he say, was flip, flipping the bird, flipping the bird, Tom look, Werman. Look um, what you could have had, you soon-to-be bed and breakfast owning. <laughs> you bread and breakfast, so and so. Yes, <laughs> Do we have uh, a, I, possibly. I'd say part of that bird may also have been flipped at the rest of the band. I could be wrong because them um, shouldn't have allowed him to be sidelined. Um, and and I don't think Buck Dharma's vocals on this album are as strong. You and I have talked before how much we respect Buck Dharma's vocal um, I don't think his vocals are as good on this album um, but I think that from Eric is one of his finest performances I think you're probably right um, and for my money it absolutely should have opened the album can't understand why it didn't I think Buck's vocals will have been good but they'll have just had the um, Buckness produced out of them by yeah, Mr. Bed and Breakfast Yeah I, I agree and there's a and production sense on the vocals in particular and on some of the lead guitar, it's extremely compressed uh, on mirrors. And it didn't surprise me. I know it's probably a financial decision, but it's a production decision as well that the Sony remasters stopped at some enchanted evening. Uh, I'm not sure a remastering on mirrors would have, would have lifted the quality that much. Uh, I think they'd have had to go in and remix the whole thing. Um, but I'm only, I'm only surmising. Um, and, and and the compression takes out the, the life out of either vocals or lead guitar in particular, and I, I think they were compressed. But Bloom is, knocks that one out of the park. 
This is a great lyric, and it's quintessentially new sci-fi type POC. Uh, it opened a new chapter for them, which, you know, um, Mirrors doesn't get enough love for. It opened up what would later become Black Blade and Monsters, Vengeance the Pact, and Fire of Unknown Origin, and Take Me Away. You wouldn't have those tracks if Great Sun Jester wasn't on Mirrors. So there. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> Tra- tra- Track track A is uh, is is something that people may have heard uh, uh, called Godzilla. Now, if only like Sony had made around the the end of the nineties a, a film about Godzilla, this oh. <laughs> this song would have been massive, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, you may be familiar with this. Uh, look, I mean, it's a massive riff. One of the greatest riffs of the, of the seventies. One of the greatest guitar breaks of the seventies. Um, super lyrics. Um, just, just who couldn't love Godzilla? It was kind of it became this bloated live track with the drum solo and the sound effects and the bass and even Eric Bloom's big intro, which I do enjoy. You know, it just became kind of a cliche for them. You haven't but, mentioned the mask yet. <laughs> oh, the mask, the papier, papier mache. Rick down, Rick down at Donington, putting that mask on. <laughs> Siri, well, that's just because they were trying to pretend he was Al Boucher. <laughs> Siri, show me a midlife crisis. <laughs> Who's under the mask? Never mind, never mind. Just keep playing. <laughs> you know, when you go back and listen to Godzilla as an actual album track, it's, it is still a cracking tune. Every line has a guitar lick after it. That's why I love this album. I mean, it's really Buck Dharma really showing everybody what, what he's got going on. Um, it's 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 a lot of fun as an album. I read an interview um, with Book. He wrote this riff in a hotel. Now, where whereas most people are stealing um, towels or <laughs> masturbating to softcore porn, <laughs> but Dharma's writing. Um, I a, have I have stolen a lot of towels in my time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know? Do you, do you want to know what Eric was saying in Japanese? Oh please, give me the give me give me the translation. I won't do there. it in Japanese because we'll get complaints. Ah. Attention, emergency news! Attention, emergency news! Godzilla is going towards the Ginza area. Immediately escape, catch up, find shelter, please. Immediately escape, catch up, find shelter, please. Ah, so <laughs> sorry. Ah, so um, yeah, really cool. I mean, they were. This is back to my point about Spectres was the point where it felt to me like BOC as a band were tr- trying to radically expand what they were doing, and I just feel maybe they were a little constrained in their ambition on this album. I mean, you know, to put you know a Japanese announcement and a baseline break into Godzilla, do what they were doing on Golden Age. Uh, uh, I love the night. <clears throat> they were just a band that were, to me, about to really creatively explode. And I just felt good and all as Spectres was, there could have been more of it. Maybe they needed a little more freedom on that album, just to do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, all the time, um, Albert had the Imaginos stuff in his back pocket, and they were always saying, no, that's too, too much. That's too much. That's yeah. too much. But then they come out with a song like uh, <laughs> Great Song Jester or, or, Correct. or, or, yeah. or Godzilla. I ne- yeah, I never understood. And look, you have to remember, this is a band who are touring, you know, probably 200 days a year across the world. So, I mean, 
their time is limited in the studio. They're they're got a Columbia on their back. They're looking for hit singles more than you know Pete Long pieces. But still, there were bands at the time. You know, this was the era of Prague, Pink Floyd, Yes, Hawkwind. It could have been possible. I mean, if you imagine a Spectres album, that's the album we know mixed in with as a double album tracks from Imaginos. It could have been, you know, that moment. Um, but um, but who doesn't love Godzilla? And the next track, Brian, is even better. The next track has to be one of their greatest tracks ever as well. It's a song about a vampire. Can you guess which one it is? Can you see what it is yet? That's right. It's Booberella. <laughs> Classic tune from Spectres. <laughs> I, can't, I can't listen to it without watching Paul Whitehouse's Nosferatu impression on um, oh. Harry Hemfield's television program. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, look that up on YouTube, folks. It's absolutely yeah, for our American <laughs> listeners, go- Google Paul Whitehouse Nosferatu uh, on Harry Hemfield's television <laughs> program. You will, you will laugh. You will thank us. You may tip us a coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's worth a coffee. If you haven't seen that before, we're going to make your day with that one. Um, but the track, Joe Bouchard, Helen Wheels. Oh, what a great track. I always felt this was, it's in the right place on the album, but somehow it, it almost got lost on Spectres, this track. But, um, thankfully, I think it's got its rightful place in the canon uh, as a real classic. I mean, this is straight up um, Imaginos worthy as well, isn't ah, it? Come on. I mean, look, it's got the guitar and piano that that is... Uh, very similar to the track on Imaginos Joe wrote in the presence of another world. I mean, they could sit beside each other um, uh, very comfortably. Uh, really, um, I mean, just everything about Nosferatu, again, it's that the production is, you know, matching the vibe of the song. BOC uh, were masters at this. Murray Krugman was a master at it, uh, uh, at, at, at putting a vibe down. Um, and and this track, you know, I think it was lost for a long time because I guess so in the 80s, once Joe left the band, it wasn't really getting pulled out. And, and, and then I know when Joe went back to his solo career, it didn't really feature in his repertoire until later when people were saying, Joe, that, that's Nosferatu is one, is one of your greatest moments. Right, so so it, I know then he started to include it. It's a masterpiece. He wrote it, co-wrote it with Helen Wales, didn't he? Who we've spoken yeah. about before on the pod. Is it is now a good time to mention who will be joining us on the next pod, Jim? Well, it would seem logical now that we've talked been talking about uh, Nosferatu, Brian. Yeah, there will there will be middle aged men who let out a whoop of joy at this news. So I shall I shall mute my microphone and let you um, have a have a chat to the uh, ladies, fish and gentlemen. <laughs> As Brian mutes and punches the air, but well, look, I, I, it's great, Brian, that we've been—we're uh, going to be joining our next podcast by the the man himself, um, Joe Bouchard, um, um, original BOC member, uh, Blue Coop, um, solo career. Joe's going to join us to talk about his new album, which is superb. His solo career, and I'm sure he's going to tell us some as yet unheard stories from the good old. Uh, BOC days, and Joe's been very kind enough to agree to join us. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna set that up in the next day or two, and it'll be coming at you real soon. And he'll be chatting about Joe and uh, uh, Albert's tour over in the UK that we're hoping to get to a, a show or two, aren't we? 
That's Ch- right. Child, yeah. Well, that's what childcare and school holidays um, aside. <laughs> now it's good timing for me. Anyway, I'll be I'll be at a few of them. Um, that's what kind of gave us the idea was we knew they'd be doing the tour, so we thought maybe they'd like to do a bit of promotion. And of course, then with Joe's new album, it, the stars aligned, as uh, you might say, from a BOC perspective. And uh, so we'll have Joe on soon for you, folks. And if people have any questions or, or things they've always wanted to know about Joe Tunes. Um, fire them at us, and we'll ask the man himself for you. Yeah, any and all questions, send them to us on any of our social medias, Twitters, Facebooks, on the Anchor page. Send us a fax. Um, <laughs> I'd love to get a fax. I, know. I say this every week, and nobody sends me a fax. I'll fax you, I'll fax you Jim. I'll fax you hard. Um <laughs> I look forward to We're that. We're finishing up because I'm conscious you've got a meeting of all your bigwigs. Uh, That's right. I have two cats to feed and have to, yeah. <laughs> all the power dressers. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Um, That's why I'm in leather shorts. We are we are doubling <laughs> up, but we've played a live version of this before, haven't we? So that's how we yeah. can squeeze it in under the wire. But our playlist closer, the end of side B of our hypothetical album, uh, is another genius song, and it's from that album that nobody likes, apparently, but uh, I think it's marvellous. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is probably the song on, on Mirrors that, that, that does it for me. Of course, it's it's in the Ayala Lanier. Beautiful song, beautiful lyrics, really evocative lyrics. Uh, I think really well treated. Uh, the, this is where the production on Mirrors actually pays off. Um, fantastic guitar licks. Uh, the studio version of this song is is really worth revisiting if, if you haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, it does bring a tear to your eye, especially now that Alan has passed away. Um, and I love it here as the closer to our playlist, Brian, because to me, this was a natural album closer. I, I, they closed the album with, with Lonely Teardrops. They got them the wrong way around, in my view. Um, it should have been the album closer. I think we would have left people looking for more. Monumental, uh, monumental gaff that. Yeah, I would agree with that. The, the tracking on mirrors is is poor, uh, poor decisions made. They should have had me. They should have had me well, but, doing uh, it, uh, man. A hundred percent. They should have had you, buddy, because um, uh, you have it in in its rightful place here, and um, just uh, in every way, a beautiful track, beautiful uh, vocal. This is probably the best Buck Dharma vocal on mirrors, uh, and just. Um, who could who could really say anything against in the never thought it got the live treatment it should have. I heard a few bootleg versions on the tour where I think they were trying to do the full band treatment with the with the electric guitar and it, they seem to be struggling with it. So it's it's it, in fairness, it's it's a delicate balance to achieve playing this song live. Yeah, only single off the album. It charted at 74, which is unbelievable. Should have been much higher. Um, yeah, I don't, it just wasn't what people were expecting. I think that was the problem for BOC on, 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 on some of this album. Quick fact, not a bry fact, before you go, the, the line, Jim says some destinies should not be delivered, uh, references a Jim Carroll band song called Day and Night. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, yeah, himself and Jim Carroll were good, were good buddies. So, um, yeah, that makes jai, sense. Jai winding on strings, who I don't know anything about, so... Tell us about nope. Jai Winding in the comments. Yes, Jai Winding, if you're out there, tell us about yourself. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, mate. Hey, that's a good playlist, Brian. People should really listen to that. It's it's an unusual mix of two albums. 
Um, but it works really. I was surprised how well and how much I enjoyed that playlist. I loved um, revisiting both albums, um, yeah. listening again properly with headphones and stuff. Um, Agreed. So looking forward to Joe on the next pod. Very excited. Uh, we'll yeah. wind things up uh, now so you can get off and do your corporate whoring. I'll <laughs> <laughs> choke some corporate cock. <laughs> we have a, no, we have a, no, I'm going to have to cut that out now. Because oh, sorry, we've, sorry. We've, got a non, we've, got, we've got a non-explicit rating. <laughs> As in, you know, rooster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cut it out. I, I, have been, I have been Brian Watson, and that foul-mouthed beast has been, <laughs> has been Jim, Jim Griffin. Say goodbye, Jim. I'm going to say goodbye now. Goodbye, Brian. Goodbye, everybody. The Bungo Pony Podcast has left the building. Join us next time for more Jolly Badinage.